You are listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate. As we begin our service today, we'd first like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of the Mississaugas and the New Credit First Nation, whose lands have been previously occupied by the Huron-Wendat and Seneca First Nations and a part of the Williams Treaty of 1923. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ruth Gill, and it's my pleasure to welcome you here today. It's Scott. Yes. Okay. Thanks. I'm very short, so she didn't see me stand up. That, that's what it was. <laughs> it's getting very challenging to be grounded in real life. I think it would be so easy to cocoon oneself and 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 move into a, a way of thought that promised a certain ending for life, or that promised help that I would love that sort of rescue right now but we sit here with our eyes and ears wide open to the whole of life knowing that it takes choice and action on people's behalf human solving problems and there's so much to do but I I still I still want to be in that open to all of life stance and then keep asking the question I was just talking this morning and someone um Someone reminded me that a way I put a comment about music was rather closed. I mean, right? I come to church and I already feel I already get confronted about a comment. Is that something um, perfect? Perfect. Um, if you've been in a close relationship, there are times once in a while in the 16 years we've been married. Greg and I haven't agreed, and. We've learned something every single time. I don't learn from positive. I learned from being confronted. So the confrontation of how to love better, how to be more sensitive, more caring, more just, more compassionate is why we gather here and why we hang with who we hang with outside of here. So for that, uh, uh, because of the special music, uh, special presentation, we're not doing all the songs this morning, but I'm just going to play as Greta introduces the sharing time. Um, to, to gather that wisdom together. Our reading this morning is titled Right to Ancestors, and it's written by Galina Kraskova from Northern Tradition for the Solitary Practitioner, a book of prayer devotional practice, and the nine worlds of spirit. Hail to those who have passed through the veil from life to death, 
to earth from breath. Hail to those who suffered to gift me with blood. Hail to those who survived to gift me with body. Hail to those whose songs gift me with inspiration. Hail to those whom I knew and loved in life, whose memory I carry with me like a word of comfort. Hail to those who left this land long ago, whose names I honor like a word of hope. Or if I know not their names, whose lives I honor still. I live and love because you lived and loved. I speak and struggle because you spoke and struggled. You live in me as I live in those who come after me. Grant me the patience, O my beloved dead, to see the long view and remember that what I do affects a million, million souls I will never know. Offered as wisdom for the journey. I was fascinated by the reading and how closely woven it is to what I had written as the focus moment, although I hadn't actually seen the reading or read it. Uh, And this is for Jim Leung, obviously, uh, for the gift that he's bringing us today and uh, the sense of history uh, that it offers our hearts. A silken thread weaves its way through our lives tying us to all our days, to sense of childhood still remembered, that turn our heads to follow passers-by, teasing us to conjure memory from mist, to places we've been, their colors lift the corner of our mouths, their textures graven on the soles of our feet. The silk ties us to people we've known, the retinal patterns by which we drew and knew them, deep embedded in our hearts for good or ill, to ideas with which we've wrestled long, a caress of fleeting thoughts, lies made true by the boards that bound them, rising fresh on backlit screens, the painful truths that take their place. A thread so thin it passes through us, warp of a history so deep we barely know us, yet by its truths we live our days, by its beauties soothe our sorrows, And by our possibilities, we, in turn, weave it of our hearts, our lives.
Steve, are you introducing Jim? That would be lovely. I don't, I don't have the information to introduce him. Thank you. I wanted to be a kind of deep background guy today, <laughs> but uh, I, I got called to introduce Jim. So, so Jim and I met at the Albion Library uh, when we were playing chess, and uh, then because the library wasn't really promoting the program, I got frustrated and just decided one day not to go anymore. But a few weeks later, Jim showed up at my door. He remembered where I, where he dropped me off one day. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to play chess. And uh, so we've been meeting every Saturday at my place. And then one day he showed me uh, something on his phone. I think this is how it happened. Maybe Jim can correct me. But he showed me something on his phone, an image of a scroll that was either his father's or his grandfather's. And I was very impressed with what I saw, but it was on a phone. <laughs> so I said, do you mind if I see the original? So he brought me a scroll to look at. And every Saturday for I don't know how long now, maybe a year and a half, maybe longer, he's been bringing over a scroll every, every Saturday. Uh, sometime, of late, he hasn't even looked at them himself uh, before coming. He'll just, bring, he'll just pick one up and bring it. And it turns out that his, his, his father and grandfather left him this legacy of hundreds of... Uh, uh, priceless uh, pieces of art that were painted in the um, traditional Chinese uh, um, classical tradition. And uh, one day I sent him um, links to a, a, a documentary that I watched on TVO about art in China. And the second episode of that three-part series showed uh, these beautiful paintings, scrolls from the Ming Dynasty period, which would more or less correspond to the medieval period in Europe. And I said, you know, I can't tell a whole lot of difference between what I'm seeing in this documentary and these scrolls that you're showing me. I think that uh, you've got some priceless antiquities there. Um, and so today we're, we're gifted with our very own Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Believe me, you are very privileged this morning to see uh, something that you will probably never see again, because even in China, they don't, uh, they don't continue this tradition. Um, so uh, I look forward every Saturday now. <laughs> well, not that I didn't before, but I really look forward to every Saturday. Uh, when Jim comes over to bring me a, a, to show my, me and my family. And I said to myself one day, I said, look, um, you know, I, I think I might be a really special guy, but I'm not that special that I should be the only person in the world besides Jim to see these uh, beautiful things, uh, things that I could have hung in, a, in an emperor's palace. So I asked him one day if he'd like to show these things at my church so at least somebody else in the world sees, besides me and my family and Jim, get to see this beautiful art. But of course he has a story to tell, and uh, I'm not going to step on his story, but I think it's called Time and Space. And uh, with that, it's, I think it's about time for me to just turn, the, turn this podium over to Jim, my 
He honored me this week when he was asked what, uh, how he wanted to be introduced. And he said, I don't need an introduction. Just introduce me as Steve's friend. to say. Um, I wrote, it's probably about 20 words. Um, uh, first, I'd just like to uh, thank uh, Greta and Steve and everybody that uh, worked behind the scenes to uh, make this possible. Now, the first time um, I was actually here um, was to uh, give one of your members, her name was Wei, a sneak preview. Um, but I think I only brought one scroll. <laughs> and this is after her husband passed away. So that, that is the reason why I did it. Um, and she really knew some of this stuff. Like, I can't read any of this stuff. I'm, I am literally uh, illiterate. <laughs> and my parents would say, you know, you're basically communicating on a, you know, uh, as a three-year-old. <laughs> so it, it, when I speak Chinese, right? So I'm only good ordering food. And, um, and, and, you know, try not to step on too many toes. But, um, yeah, if you guys could, um, unfortunately, Wei couldn't be here. I believe she's in Arizona. So if you could uh, maybe take a couple photos, share a couple of your experiences with her, you know, that'd be great. Um, I've, I thought really long and hard about what to say. Um, but um, it's very, very difficult to paraphrase and summarize in words um, what all. Uh, th- this is two generations of artwork. I cannot even, every time I look at one of these pieces, I have a hard time um, describing some of them because this is not my specialty. And, um, and yeah, it's uh, very, very difficult. So... I just let the artwork speak for themselves. <laughs> um, time and space. Um, Steve asked me for a theme, and I couldn't come up with one. <laughs> and I, I do come from a, a science and a mathematics background, so time and space was very prevalent in my mind. Um, so I kind of took a page out of Stephen Hawking's book, A Brief History in Time. Um, I also played a lot of sports growing up. So I played a lot of hockey, uh, a lot of soccer. So I basically became integrated when we first uh, moved here. Um, my parents were, to give you an idea, my dad, he was definitely not an athlete. He was about five foot six. I don't think he ever went past 130 pounds. And so he wanted me to... Uh, be Canadian. <laughs> the only way I knew how to be Canadian was act like the other kids. So playing hockey, playing soccer, playing baseball, playing everything, uh, coaches would basically drill into your head, you know, take away the time and space <laughs> from, from your opponents. Um, so that, you know, 
Uh, me and, uh, as Steve mentioned, uh, we play chess every Saturday. Um, so, you know, there's basically 64 squares. So that came to mind, and then I thought about... Um, uh, I, I think I've been playing chess with my... I played chess with my dad when I was about five years old. And about a month in, I think I started beating him, and he got tired of that. And so I became a chess prodigy in school. But I only played in tournaments because I didn't like school. So I like to go away from school and basically just, you know, beat, beat, beat up on other kids. <laughs> right? Um, and so there's something called tempo that we uh, use in the chess terminology. And tempo is basically... For those that don't play it, it's basically gaining a, a one-move advantage, and that's pretty much all you need <laughs> sometimes. Um, so that's why I thought about t- uh, time and space. I'm definitely not a poet. <laughs> I graduated with a, a physics, math, and, and an IT degree, basically. So that's I became very, very technical. Um, yeah, um, so anyway, I just want to thank everybody. I don't want to take up too much of your time. It is a Sunday. Uh, I, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone's got chores, <laughs> just like me. And I just want to, to thank you, everyone. And uh, I hope you enjoy, hope you learn, and uh, and share. Can I ask a question? Sure. Um, thank you. I have a oh. microphone. Um, in terms of technical uh-huh. um, is this are these the result of technical skills that were passed down through generations like um, uh-huh. I have a friend who gave me this beautiful tea set um, Neil uh, uh-huh. who, who comes here sometimes from uh-huh. China and and he his partner talks about the technical skill of the tea ceremony and how important it was through generations mm-hmm. to be taught, right? Uh, so that, um, and I haven't used it yet because they told me they'd have to come over and show me the tea mm-hmm. ceremony so I would know how to use it properly. Mm-hmm. But these, um, are they not also a technical skill that was handed down through generations because it was an important part of the culture or the history or something like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I wouldn't use the word technical. <laughs> um, I only met my grandfather once in my lifetime, and that was back in 1977. So I was, you know, 10 years old, and um, we went back to Hong Kong to see basically my mom's side of the family. And so my grandfather didn't want a 10-year-old kid cooped up in a small little shoebox of an of an apartment, basically, where um, a lot of these scrolls were produced. And um, so I had no idea <laughs> how to do any of this. Um, I just knew he had apprentices, about five of them. Um, and my, my granddad, you know, had no education, um, like zero. So um, he would have been born at the turn of the century and gone through lots of chaos and upheaval. And so whatever he could draw, he, you know, that, that, that was it, right? Um, my dad um, basically followed in his footsteps out of necessity, okay? And uh, I left one little uh, lab book there. My dad's like a Renaissance man that 
nobody will ever know, right? And my dad actually, you know, uh, went to Taiwan for university after, um, well, after the communist revolution. And, um, and my granddad couldn't understand um, why. <laughs> why he wanted to go from this to a completely different life, uh, like, like literally from arts to a science. Okay, and um, well, back then, um, it was just out of poverty, out of necessity. And uh, when they immigrated here, they immigrated here um, in 1967. So that's pretty much, you know, from what I can remember, that's when I'm born. And that's when Canada turned 100 years old. So when they first came here, they came here worth about $300. Canadian, (laughs) and I have no idea how much that is um, in today's world. Um, And so uh, the first week I was born, um, let's see, I was born November of 67. Um, Within the week that I was born, uh, my dad got a job um, with a company that's now gone. It, It was called Northern Electric limited (laughs) and um that was it for his art career um so this is my dad's section so my dad's section is these two tables um it's a very different style all i could say is the colors that they use are different because of just materials and my dad literally had to drop everything for 20 for a quarter century before he got back into doing some of this stuff. Um, uh, Well, I mean, I was born, and then my brother was born, so he had other pressures, (laughs) basically, right? Um, So, uh, yeah, he basically only did this for a hobby. Technical skills, he, he steered me away from all of this stuff. He did not want me to even get a sniff of any any of this stuff at all. Uh, he knew how tough the life was going to be because of where he came from. Like my granddad had was literally a starving artist. Um, uh, now, all this stuff that's here, um, like my granddad passed away in 1999. So all this stuff um, on the long tables in the center, uh, basically came 8,000 miles away. <laughs> um, and I didn't know about it at all um, until my father um, had brain cancer. And then I, we, we decided to spend a lot more time together, and that's when he decided to show me some of this uh, material. And I had no idea what to do. I go, I'm, you know, like I, I'm an IT guy, so... I'm a, I'm a number cruncher. <laughs> so how do you hold a scroll? How do you tie it? How do you unroll it? And then uh, we spent a bit of time uh, in, in, uh, in an attic where all this stuff was stored, a third floor attic. And uh, yeah, uh, we unrolled this one here. That's the first one uh, that my dad... Um, I mean, I mean, he said, no, this one's my favorite. Whatever you do, you, you just keep this one. <laughs> the rest I don't really care about, 
right? Um, you do whatever you have to do. Um, and then I would just ask him questions like, you know, what's actually good? Basic questions a child would ask. And, and he would describe what he taught at the Riverdale Library. So his Saturday mornings were spent in a library teaching um, other students, much younger than him, how to do some of this uh, artwork. And uh, that was his way of, of giving back. Um, but he had to do, he did this after he retired at age 63. Uh, so he picked it up, did it for about another uh, roughly a decade. But, I, but he told me, you know, he told me, oh, no, I'm, I'm not as good as your grandfather. He's the master. I'm just, <laughs> uh, I was just trying to, trying to catch up to him, basically. And so he taught a lot of students here. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't, he, he would not describe it as technical. He would just say, you know, it's all trial and error. Don't make a mistake. You only got. <laughs> yeah, if you look at some of it, you cannot make a mistake. Uh, you make a mistake, it's done. So you actually had to visualize the whole th thing in your head. Um, and he had that memory to do it. Um, I have a photographic memory um, as well, um, but I never applied it <laughs> to artwork. So I, I, I was also a disc jockey as well. So I applied it. I spun vinyl for, uh, for a short time, about five years. So I could visualize album covers, and I could visualize what songs are on side A and side B, how many minutes a particular song. That that is my skill. <laughs> and my dad would my dad would go, you know, how's that going to pay the bills, right? And, and um, yeah, and and I, I somehow gravitated toward sciences, right? So where where are all these when when they go home? Where, oh, where? I call it the vault. <laughs> um, the vault's actually just a bedroom closet. Um, there is, I, I think I'm up to photo forty five, so forty five pieces so far, uh, with um, roughly. So so I think I'm only halfway through. Um, yeah, they're basically just uh, like like when my mom passed away. Um, I had an empty house to clean out, <laughs> and all this stuff is sitting in an attic. And I go, oh boy, uh, this is a lot of. First of all, it's heavy, and um, the stairs are very uh, steep, so it, it was a lot of heavy lifting. Um, and so I go, okay, uh, I'm gonna need a bit of help. <laughs> I don't know how to do any of this stuff. So I had to ask a lot of my um, my parents' neighbors, a lot of their friends, and I go, what what do I do with this, right? Uh, believe it or not, I gave away three pieces for, for their help. Um, but they were my dad's pieces. <laughs> and they were just hanging in the basement somewhere. And I go, yeah, you know. I mean, and, and they were actually um, my childhood friends growing up. So their parents are like my parents. Uh, some of them are still alive. Um, and, uh, yeah, they basically just sit in a house. 
So uh, it makes me think. I mean, some artists got famous and got had patrons and 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 made a name, and we all know those names. Mm-hmm. But how many pieces of beauty are somewhere that nobody paid attention to? And not that the artists necessarily wanted fame, but mm-hmm. hidden. They're hidden from our view, and yeah. so. It just makes you wonder when you drive down streets and in, in different cities, and because of, like you say, immigration, war time, yeah. struggles, you have to earn a living, and so art disappears because it doesn't pay, as we know from our son, oh. who struggles to yeah. to make a living that way. So yeah. it, it, this is like a probably a tip of an iceberg of what's out there that doesn't get recognized and honored. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I, a comparable would be... Um, like, I listen to classical music. I listen to all kinds of music. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, I, I compare it to basically J.S. Bach, basically, who's nobody knew for about 100 years, right, until Felix Mendelssohn dug it up. Uh, or uh, Antonio Vivaldi, who was just discovered maybe less than a century ago. And he was born... Oh, I'm pretty good with numbers, so let's say 1660 uh, or 1670. 1670, yeah. JSB was born 1685. <laughs> so if you could imagine, you know, if Vivaldi's famous for the Four Seasons, <laughs> if you could imagine all that, all the manuscripts, all that stuff was buried for centuries. Um, yeah, it, it makes you think of the amount of um, of um, just artwork out there. It's amazing, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I did bring probably one of the pieces over the show, uh, my um, my financial planner, um, one week, and they they were blown away. And uh, they, I said, go ahead, take a picture of it. Appraise it for me. Tell me. Tell me. I got no idea. This is not my expertise, right? Um, yeah, but you might be able to go back and spin vinyl, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, I really got no idea when people discover all these things. Uh, I, I do occasionally do watch uh, the road, you know, the, the antiques roadshow and other variants of it. Um, and, and when they stumble upon, like, vintage, uh, I mean, I'm a car person, too, so, so I know my cars as well. Um, I've driven some nice cars, too. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, I'll share only one, I'll share one personal story with me. My dad, uh, when my, my, when my grandfather passed away in 99, my dad, um, basically retired by then and um, he said you know um, I know you're under the gun you're under pressure uh, you're you know you, you, you basically followed in my footsteps so he started his career with a, com- a company called Northern Electric Limited and he he had a hard uh, blue collar job so he installed telephony equipment all over Ontario. So he went from North Bay to Thunder Bay. He went everywhere. Um, so if you made a telephone call, you most likely 
it was because of that. <laughs> okay, so I am the second generation that followed, and I got hired uh, pretty much by the same company, but by the time uh, I got hired, it was called Nortel, um, or Northern Telecom Limited. So it went from Northern Electric Limited to Northern Telecom Limited, and then it changed uh, into a couple other brands. And, um, and I, uh, you know, he was kind of proud of that, um, but I started out in the warehouse. <laughs> and, um, and he knew, he knew, well, he told me one thing. He said, you know, uh, son, uh, I'm the first generation here. I got to work hard. I'm sorry, you know, I missed all, every single one of your hockey games, every, everything, like literally everything. I only saw him on Saturdays, basically, growing up for the first 10 years of my life. And, um, but I could tell that Saturday counted. Like he would just, you know, take me out and, and, uh, and that, that was our time together, basically. Um, so he had no time to paint. <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, uh, in 99, my dad, um, basically flew back to Hong Kong for the funeral. Um, one of my regrets is I didn't have the time to go back. And he understood that. He said, man, you just... Uh, uh, I mean, 1999 was uh, basically the leading edge of the dot-com industry. And so when you are... Um, you know, uh, I can't say I was... was um, you know, uh, the... I think of it in athlete mode. So when you're an athlete in the IT world, you're sought after, and you have to basically deliver in a short window because literally millions and billions of dollars are dependent on it. And so I just changed over. Um, I had I call it the kitchen table discussion with my dad. All, all my discussions were on the, on the kitchen table, all the important ones anyway, and. Um, and so my dad understood. He said, you know, you know, don't worry, worry about this. Um, you'll see your grandfather. <laughs> and, um, and so he brought all this artwork back by himself. And, uh, yeah, I wish I could have helped him at least, you know, contribute. But uh, when my dad passed away, my mom... Um, yeah, my mom and I basically go, oh, well, you know, what are we going to do now? And uh, my mom uh, decided, there's a picture of my mom and dad that went back to China to see their um, their hometown, <laughs> where they grew up. So I never seen my dad's hometown, right? It's in uh, southern China. It's a place called Guangzhou. And uh, population's roughly... Ooh, just shy of 20 million people. <laughs> so, so I grew up with stories about how hard it was for my dad, and he painted a picture of mud huts and straw. <laughs> so when, by the time I got back there, it was just all well-developed and, and, and everything. But I did see remnants of poverty back there. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, basically... Um, my, both my uh, grandfathers are buried in Hong Kong, but there's no space. So again, with the time and space, um, land is very, very expensive over there. Almost everything is very, very expensive over there. And so, uh, you know, I decided that I wanted to 
visit my grandfather's burial site, at least be there. Um, uh, well, I, I didn't know what kind of journey it was going to be, and my mom didn't know how to find it, so we t- she talked to her younger brother, my uncle, my uncle Dominic, and he took, um, he literally took a, a week off his job just to be a tour guide. And so um, my grandfather, uh, both of them are buried uh, in a mountain <laughs> because that's the only affordable real estate there is. So I do remember spending the whole day and there was a taxi ride leading up to this mountain I'm pretty sure one of these paintings has a mountain somewhere. And um, I remember walking down 1,500 steps with my mom and uncle and then walking back up 1,500 steps. Um, So my mom was in her 60s by then, so I didn't know how she mustered the strength to do that. I know my knee and my back were sore by the time I was done. Um, and then there was like miles just to get back to the main road. So it, it's one of those um, uh, exper- life experiences that you will remember for the rest of your life uh, that not a lot of people get to do. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I was I call uh, I think of it as being very fortunate to be able to spend all the time with my dad when he had brain cancer. Like, I basically took a year off work and spent all that time every single day with him. Um, and we would just look at some of some of this material here. Um, most of the times I spent in a hospital. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so that that's pretty much my story. <laughs> Jim, I'm going to suggest that uh, we give people time yeah. now to look at them. Um, when Jim handles these, he has gloves on. So please don't touch anything <laughs> and don't go get your coffee and cookies and come back in to see it, right? So just keep that in the other room. Uh, and then if they have any questions oh, about by, anything. By all means, yeah. And I would like to invite you to find the poem in those 1,500 steps down and up because I'm pretty sure there's a poem in there somewhere. Uh, okay. Um, I know, he's not a poet. That's why I'm inviting him to do it, to find the yeah. poem in it. Of course I am. No, you're, you're better at writing poetry than me, I think. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate you being here and offering this, and I, and I know people are going to uh, just love what they see and, and the stories that, that you don't know. I mean, you don't know the stories behind most of these, right? So people will put their own stories into them over the course of time, and and you have brought them to us. So it's just an incredible gift to be able to have you share them with us. And thank you to Steve, too, for, for bringing it as well. And thank you to Arlene for helping you figure out that you should care for them a little more um, gingerly. Uh, so anyway, so everyone... Um, Doing it. Do we have a final song or something that we'll do? And then we'll um, move into the viewing and uh, coffee. You can have your coffee and come back in. Just don't bring it in with you. Okay.
You can stand for this last one again. Thank you. place you go into a world that is interwoven uh, with the beauty and the, the language, the words, the poetry of countless people. It rests upon the world created by countless more whose work we don't remember, and yet we are the recipients of the world that they created. So go into that world with curiosity and go with eyes open to the wonders there are. Go in peace. a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate.